look at that, Rob. I just counted us in on ruminate, just like I was like I'm, I'm like taken over here. That's your job, not mine. What, what what's wrong with me? Yeah, I know, I know that was I mean, that's the second time you've done that now, and I'm like, oh no, John's doing the countdown. I think I can do it. I can listen. I can press <laughs> buttons. I'm, I mean, I've been. I just so you know, I do that on all the Mac story shows for whatever reason, and so mm-hmm. I think I forget sometimes. I forget my yeah. my. Uh, what my role is, depending on where I happen to be. You know what I'm doing, Rob, right now mm-hmm. as we as we speak here live, but no one will listen to it live, is I am looking to see how many hours I have played of Tears of the Kingdom. I really don't like the menuing system on the Nintendo Switch. That's a that's a that's a hot take right there for you. Yeah, my Switch is still in the cupboard since when I moved eighteen <laughs> months ago. So, <laughs> oh my goodness, you're a bad person. You need to get that out. <laughs> I know. You should, you should be on Pikmin Four right now. Oh no! no. I, do you know no. what I'm going to get out? I'm going to get out on a buy the Mario Kart DLC eventually. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, I mean, you know, I've heard that the the latest one is quite good. Oh okay. I've got it. I guess for free. I mean, for free. I've got the you know the online subscription. And I'm not sure why I have the online subscription, to be honest. It's one of those subscriptions that I pay for because it's not super expensive. Mm-hmm. But it also isn't providing me with a ton of value. I mean, I guess I get, for a handful of games, I get cloud saves. I get the whole catalog of old games, which I like the notion of that. Mm-hmm. But the amount that I play those old games on my Switch is very small. Yeah. You know, and of course you get the DLC for Mario Kart, and I guess you get some. I think there's some Animal Crossing stuff you get too. Uh, yeah, I, I think DLC, those yeah. those old games when they're saying, "Oh, you can play this game from the N64," and it's like, you know, unless it's like Mario 64 or Mario Kart and a handful yeah. of others, you don't want to play those. They're just not that good. Yeah, no, I know. I, did I tell you that I got an analog Super NT? I think I did. Yes, yeah, you did, yeah. I think, okay, I think yeah, you mentioned yeah. that last episode. I can't remember. I thought that. so. I think I did. I think I did. I had just gotten it at the time. I haven't, again, like that. I mean, that one I'm actually, that's an investment that I'm glad that I made because even if I don't play the games frequently, I like the fact that I have the ability to get hardware cartridges and use them whenever I want. I don't have to rely on paying a monthly bill to Nintendo to get access to old games. I think that's no. a, you know that that whole thing it's like well yeah it's kind of great that they make these available on the other hand it's like they just go away if i stop paying which kind of sucks i mean at least for the ones that i really like um but but yeah all right so here we are this is quite a was quite a tangent but legend of zelda tears of the kingdom 120 mm-hmm. 120 hours wow That's probably a it's a lot it's it's uh way more than i've played of really any other video game in recent years um i really like it i have this weird style of play which is all which is basically you know one of the characters that tells me oh you got to go over here and do this thing and i'm like well all right i start wandering that way and then i get distracted i'm very easily distracted in in tears of the kingdom i do side quest after side quest after side quest i don't use horses I, until recently i don't i don't fast travel i just walk my way through the through the landscape doing things a little bit here and there picking up all the collectibles really like 100 percent in the game a few feet at a time so you're really yeah. just you're out there just milling about 
just just yes. pottering, seeing what's about, seeing what's very going on. Very random. It's very, very, very random. And and I think my and I do this in spurts, and then I go back to the story. And the most recent one was because of the the Zora domain, which is like the water, the water uh, clan mm-hmm. people. And I started doing the storyline there to get to the water temple, and I got kind of I was having a little trouble with it. And I really didn't like the Zoro domain that much. I was like, ugh. And I just left. And then I just went on walkabout for several weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Until I was admonished by Federico Vitici to finish the game. Uh, and, you know, get through the storyline. Because he finished, I think, in about 75 hours. And so I thought, all right, yeah, you're probably right. I should probably just see what's going on uh, with the story so we can talk, chat about it. And so I've been grinding my way through the mainline story ever since then. I finished Zora's Domain first. Uh, well, no, I've, I've finished everything except for the Lightning Temple. That's my last one. And I should get to that tonight. And that game has really just occupied a spot in my brain and in my life like no other video game in recent memory. So it's pretty cool. And I like that it has all this. It, it's almost, it feels almost endless because there's just stuff I mm-hmm. haven't done done much of like i haven't spent much time on the sky islands i spent a good amount of time in the depths underground but not a ton you know not a ton there's still a million different side quests whole bunch of temples like i said i don't really ride around on the horses because i feel like i'm missing stuff when i'm on the horses <laughs> but i am fast traveling now because it's like if i'm going to walk from one end of the map or the other that's going to take me a whole session just to do that so I am I am fast traveling around to in order to get this story going, but uh, you've had your Switch in storage for eighteen months. Are you have you become a Nintendo hater? Uh, I'm not. A, I'm not a hater. <laughs> okay. Uh, right. I just there just hasn't been anything interesting come out that I want to play. Yeah, there isn't much. I will give you. Um, that. You know, I mean, there, there's a couple of things that are sort of on my radar, like the uh, the Mario and Rabbids sequel. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'd like to get to that at some point. Um, but to be honest, off the top of my head, I think that's the only one I really care about. Um, yeah, it has been. You know, historically, has been. I don't like uh, Breath of the Wild, so I'm not even going to bother with Tears of the Kingdom. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I, I kind of hope they do a DLC, but there's been no no news on that, which is a little bit... I, I think by now, with Breath of the Wild, we'd already heard that there was going to be DLC, but I don't know. In any event, well, I get that, because I know you're not into... Um, Zelda, but mm-hmm. and and then you're right. There really hasn't been a whole lot. Now Pikmin Four came out, which I've heard good things about. I'm not. I, I played the Pikmin iOS game for a while because I mm-hmm. just, it just I just so happened to be traveling a lot when that game came out, and it's like it's a little bit like Pokemon Go, where it's kind of useful to be traveling and going to different places. So I was in Ireland and Rome, kind of back to back. And so I collected a lot of Pikmin. Then I came back to the States and I never touched the game again. Although it's still on my phone. Those poor little Pikmin are still working their way. Some of them, you know, you send them out to collect things. And I sent them out to collect things in Ireland and and Italy. And it takes them a long time to get across the Atlantic Ocean. They literally do work their way back to you eventually. Oh, wow. And I stopped I stopped playing before they all returned. So I don't know if they're off there floating in the ocean or, you know, they've come back and haven't been fed. I don't know what's going on. I, I probably ought to do something about that. Yeah, they're just sort of wandering around in circles like, where's, where's that <laughs> guy who sent us out for stuff? 
right, waiting to get collect all whatever I forget what they are like fruits or whatever. But but four is supposed to be pretty good, and I think one and two recently came out on the online service. Uh, but but Pikmin's not really been a game that I've ever played in the past. So while it's possible I might test those waters at some point, I'm not in any rush to do it. Yeah, I mean that, that seems that seems reasonable. It's it, like I say, it's not that I dislike it. I think when the, when the Switch came out, there was a sort of flurry of games that I wanted to play, and then yeah, and, and you know, of course, I have a five year five month old child now, so I have no time <laughs> to play games that? anyway. Right. Um, you know, I've got a perfectly good PS5 under the TV that hasn't been turned on in probably four or five months. So, ah, will it be turned on for Spider Man though? <laughs> well, maybe. I honestly don't know. I don't know if I'm even going to have time. Because um, that's in September, I want to say. Yeah, I think September? so. I, I'm going to try. I'm going to try and find some time, but I'm not sure I can make any guarantees on that at the moment. Yeah. Well, I, th- that's kind of what spurred me also to get uh, get Zelda finishes that Spider-Man's coming and so is Starfield on the Xbox. Mm-hmm. And I like to try those games out. Plus, Dave the Diver, I've heard, is very good. Oh, okay. That's a Steam game. Um, right. I, I must. It's probably on other. It might be on consoles too. I haven't really looked into it, but I bought it on Steam because I thought I'd mm-hmm. play the Steam Deck because it's kind of a. It's an indie pixelated game. It's not you know. It's not like hugely taxing on a, sure. on a system, so it should be fine on the Steam Deck. So that that'll be my that that will probably be what tides me over until some of these other big games come out soon. Yeah. Um. What historically i think this this podcast almost exists as a record of ridiculous things we've bought um yes it does i got an advert on instagram yesterday and it said barbie single on cassette for 99p delivered (laughs) and i'm like well it's 99p like sure i'll have a cassette for 99p I was wondering where you saw that where you came up with that that Mm -hmm. thing to buy i because i i didn't realize they were doing that yeah so this is billy eilish's single i guess from the barbie soundtrack i haven't seen yeah, the movie it's a good yet song. either it's a good um, yeah it's a good song i have not seen the movie either um i haven't even listened to the song um <laughs> but there was just something about pink cassette that was calling to me so i was like you know what i'm just gonna buy this it's 99p apparently it's coming in a couple of days i don't know All right. we'll see nice um, nice i don't have a cassette well, player to play it on but hmm. you know it, i feel like the the hype and frenzy around the Barbie movie is just sort of everybody gets caught up in it. I, like I've not seen it, but I just it's just kind of exciting, and everybody's excited about this thing. Yeah, they really are. I mean, it's it's supposed to be quite a good movie, and it's done extraordinarily well too, which is which is great. I mean, I I did go see Oppenheimer, which is very long, and I found dragged in the last hour a bit. Right, but a very good movie nonetheless. And I just haven't gotten around to seeing Barbie. And at this point, I may just wait for it to come out on streaming services or something. I'm not sure yet. But Yeah. I, I, I don't think I've seen hype like this. And, and I don't just mean people being excited about a movie, but the the amount of like cross-promotion with clothing and music and oh, I know. all of this merchandise, like off the top of my head i think like the spice girls movie when that came out at least mm-hmm. in the uk i mean that was the amount of merchandise that was available for that movie was just unbelievable yeah. um and like jurassic park was up there as well like there was a lot of merchandise for that as well 
Um, but it's just this interesting sort of cultural thing where this particular movie has kind of captured the imagination of everybody. You know what movie I saw recently that I did not like that much and I was a little disappointed about was the Super Mario. Um, oh, no. Yeah, I was like, eh, it was all right. I mean, I was, <laughs> I didn't think it was bad, but it maybe I was too tired or something when I watched it because I was dozing off at one point. But I was like, hmm, it's all right. I mean, it, it didn't, it just really didn't do anything for me. And I know a lot of people I know really enjoyed it a lot. Uh, but what, for whatever reason, just didn't click for me for some reason. So that was a little bit of a disappointment. Oh, that's but, a shame. Uh, I mean, that's another one that's on my list that I'll get to at some point. Yeah. I mean, it has a lot of nice, fun references to very early Mario, you know, games and things like that that are kind of fun to listen to, to see and see how they brought them into the movie. But it didn't really all, do all that much for me. I have. Rob, for you, and a complete left turn topic for you, which is about networking. You want to talk about networking? Oh well, I mean, as a qualified Cisco engineer, yes, this is exactly this is what I did at college. <laughs> Are you a qualified? I didn't know that you were a qualified I, I Cisco am. engineer. Oh, yeah, well, good. I'm talking to the right person then. All oh, right, pl- so please don't ask me any actual questions because this was okay. quite a long time ago now. <laughs> All right, well, yes, it does change, doesn't it? Well, I am bringing to the show a service called TailScale, which I have seen it advertised here and there on the internet. I had heard of it. I had a vague notion that it had something to do with VPNs, which is kind of correct, but not totally correct. And so I decided to check it out because I, I, I reviewed this travel router for Club Mac Stories about a week ago. And it has all these integrations because basically it's a little box with a Linux computer in it. And they've built in hardwired some services that you can that you can use with it. A lot of, you know, VPN services and other things, networking type stuff. And one of them was TailScale. I was like, huh, I gotta check out what this is. So I looked into it, and it's really kind of neat actually, because what it is is it's a it's a a network layer on top of that sits on top of the internet, basically. You install their service on your devices, and it generates and creates a peer-to-peer network among your devices. So what TailScale is doing with their software is they're coordinating the connections directly peer-to-peer between your devices. They're not like, your traffic's not going through their servers or anything like that. You're basically creating, piggybacking on top of you know existing Wi-Fi or wired networking a sub-network of just your stuff, which has some interesting possibilities. Now, it doesn't mean that you're not still sending data over the internet. Like, you know, people use VPNs like in a coffee shop because they want everything to be encrypted because like maybe there's no password on the Wi-Fi router and they don't want anybody sniffing the traffic and figuring out what their password is and stuff like that. It doesn't help with that out of the box once you first set it up because all you're doing is creating this subnet, this this layer on top network that's using the existing infrastructure. And if that existing infrastructure is insecure, so is your little tail scale network. However, it also has this notion of what they call an exit node. So you can designate one of your machines as an exit node. And it will send all of your traffic, even when you're connected to those insecure Wi-Fi networks, 
through your home networks, that whatever that your exit node is. And for me, that's like the Mac, uh, the Mac Studio sitting on my desk, which is here and on all the time. So if I'm out and about, for instance, and have that situation, I can turn on the exit node and I can use shortcuts even because they have shortcuts integration with their, their apps uh, and you know assign it to a personal automation where if I leave the house, uh, tail scale is enab enabled, my exit node is enabled and all my traffic is running through my home uh, Wi-Fi setup or my home internet setup, which is uh, a 2G setup, so it's very fast. And I've barely noticed any kind of slowdown in doing that, which is, it's pretty neat. It, it enables a lot of cool stuff like I was able to get my son in Ireland. He's running his Mac through my exit node so that he can watch American streaming services from Ireland without having to worry about the uh, you know the, the latest crackdowns from the streaming services, which funnily enough, as an aside, my son in California can't watch our Netflix account, but mm -hmm. the one in Ireland can because they haven't cracked down in Ireland yet, which is kind of, you know, it's kind of amazing that that's the case. But anyway, so I've got this network and it's kind of fun and interesting to play around with. I'm not like that concerned about my network traffic and stuff, but I have been, you know, working away from the, from the house more often lately in various places. So I figured, you know, getting back into kind of a little good VPN hygiene is not a bad thing to do. And it's free, which, I mean, a lot of people are paying money for VPNs. I used to. And this is 100% free and I think performs just as well. And because you are using your own machines, you're not relying on a VPN company not doing something that they shouldn't with your data. So that's good. And because it's a peer-to-peer -peer network, you can also send files, big or small, between your devices very, very quickly because it's not being rerouted through a bunch of servers. It's just going from one to the other, even if you're separated from them geographically. Yeah, that that, that particular feature is very interesting to me. Um, well, th there's two. There's that and also the fact that it will run on a Raspberry Pi. Yes. Um, which is great because I'm looking at two of them right now that are not being used on my desk. Um, so it should be relatively easy for me to get this set up. Yeah, I should mention that, yeah, because their their software runs on everything. It runs on Windows, Mac, iOS, um, Raspberry Pi, you know, Linux in general, so that you can you can mix and match a bunch of different devices all in one. And some some hardware like the uh, router I mentioned, the travel router, are baking the software right into their their you know their software stack. So it's very easy then to enable that. And one of the things I know people have been using, like say you are living in an RV in the summertime and driving all around, you know, the UK and you're unable with the Wi-Fi you're connecting to wherever you're happen to be stopping your RV, you're unable to connect to certain sites because they're limiting the speed or they're limiting the access to whatever, to whatever site you want to go to. You can use that to tunnel back to your home network at your home, assuming it's still on, and use that use that network, but be routing everything through your home network so you're not limited. So there's a lot of little things like that that can be done to make uh, make life easier. People use these a lot for 
you know, traveling abroad mm -hmm. and things like that. Yeah, no, this this seems like a lot of fun. I mean, I was looking through their their website while you were talking, and I mean, it, it, the fact that it's free essentially for personal <laughs> yes. use is kind of amazing as well. Yeah, they. I mean, the, the way they make their money, because I know people always wonder about that, is that they do sell the service to businesses. So the free tier is, I think it's up to three people and um, up to three people and 100 devices. So for any individual or, or small team, like for instance, I could roll this out for Mac stories very easily because we're small enough that we wouldn't have to pay for it, at least the core team. But uh, you get any bigger than those three people and you got to pay for it. And there's like an enterprise tier and all this other stuff. And I think a lot of companies are using this because, you know, because you can, there's a whole, there's a whole, whole bunch of features that are, I mean, this is really a developer tool is designed for developers who have to deal with servers all over the place, you know, all over the world, or maybe you have a remote office, you can set up a subnet, which is like you have a tail scale node and everything else connects to the tail scale node and the, the tail scale sub uh, node can see everything else, all the other IP addresses on that sub node. So you can, you know, those those devices that aren't connected to tail scale can you can still get some of the benefits of tail scale by doing that. You know, a lot for, for instance, you might want to do that like with a printer that has um, it's a wireless printer and has an IP address, but it doesn't have any way to install tail scale on it. You know, there's things like that mm -hmm. where, so you can, you, they've accounted for that sort of situation. Um, it's really, it's really well done. And the documentation is excellent. I mean, I, I, I know next to nothing about networking and I was able, you know, each device took me like two or three minutes to set up. Once I was up and running, everything was networked and I could use the core features without any trouble. And so I just started exploring and figuring out some of these other details about how to transfer files or how to, you know, how to set up one of these subnets and, and that kind of thing. Yeah, no, that's, this is great. I, I think I'm going to dig into this. I mean, this is the perfect kind of thing that me and you like because there's a lot yes. of like fiddling and messing about and, you know, I can set things up on the Pi or, you know, you put it on your, your Mac Studio. Like this, yeah, this is this is going to be fun when I get yeah, to dig there's into a lot this. Of little Yep, there's a lot of little dials to turn and switches to flick and test out and then test the speeds and see how it works and how well it works. And it's and because it's free, I mean there's really no downside to giving it a giving it a whirl and seeing if you like it or not. I mean, I think you know, at the end of the day, the core things that I'll end up using are uh, being able to transfer big files quickly between devices, uh, protecting my internet traffic when I'm someplace where I think it might not be secure by sending the traffic through home. I think those are probably the two biggest things. And I believe from reading through Reddit that TailSkill is working on a tvOS app for the Apple TV because with tvOS 17, developers are able to make VPN apps. And this qualifies, I get because when you, for instance, when you turn this on on an iPhone, it registers itself as a VPN. There's a switch in settings that mm -hmm. shows that you have a VPN on, which is one of the reason people use these travel riders because, you know, there are services like, I believe, Threads, for instance. One of the ways that they are preventing people in the EU from using Threads is not just based on the location of their IP address, because you could get around that with a VPN they are looking at whether the VPN toggle is turned on or not on the iOS device, which I believe is accessible by to any developer. Mm -hmm. And so 
So if you got a travel router like this and you're in the EU, you could connect your iPhone to it once it's on the tail scale network. If that tail scale network is, you know, uh, established outside the EU, obviously, and be able to connect to something like Threads. So you can use it for things like that or streaming services too. If you have, if you have someone in the US who, whose network you can connect to. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, this, yeah, I'm definitely going to dig into this soon, I think. Um, yeah, it, you get into like all these things where you get into these very mind-bendy, uh, you know, I don't know, thought exercises where I was thinking, all right, because well, for me, it's like, well, how am I going to get, I, I, I look at th- the threads situation, I'm like, huh, how are they doing that? If, if, you know, I know, for instance, Federico's tried using uh, a VPN, he's in Italy, and it doesn't work, he still can't get on threads. I'm thinking, hmm. What's going on there? I wonder if if he got one of these travel routers and set it up and connected it to a U.S. network, whether he could. And the answer, I think the answer is yes. Although I have not, I have not tried it yet. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm assuming there's something going on that still allows them to identify that he's in the EU. But I don't know. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I mean, not that not that um, people should be flouting the EU regulations, but, you know, some people just want to have their threads. Yeah. People want to post their threads or whatever. I don't know. I have an itch. <laughs> or, I haven't or, watch the, or, watch, or watch their Netflix, you know, their U.S. Netflix. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> whatever it happens to be. People have their things. But, yeah, it's a fun it's a fun thing to play around with. And there are enough little uh, subservices attached to it and different permutations you can use and lots of people talking about it on places like Reddit and Tailscale has its own set of forums uh, that, that there's a lot of, you can get a lot of interesting ideas for experiments and things to try. Nice. Yeah. Well, this is going on my list to try and find an hour or so to mess about with this later on in the week. Yeah. That's Um, the best part too, is like to get started. It literally took me less than a half an hour to set up like six or seven devices. And after that, after that, it was just like fiddling, you know what I mean, and testing the, testing the boundaries of it. Amazing, cool. All right, well let's uh, let's wrap it up there, and uh, maybe I'll report back if I end up actually finding time to dig into tail scale. All right, sounds good. All right, speak to you soon. Okay, bye.